Okay, let's just come back to, uh, we'll have a look on page 15, section 5. We're obviously not going to get through the whole manual, but uh, we'll just do what we can in the time that we have. And uh, sometimes it's better to see some things than it is to just teach a lot about them. Uh, so I'll try and contain the teaching a little bit. Uh, because you've already seen some of the things we're about to talk about, you've already seen it take place. So we talked uh, about Jesus' ministry, we talked about the whole work of the Holy Spirit in deliverance, we looked at Jesus' teaching on deliverance, we looked at an example of him delivering someone, then we went on to look at how demons get into people's lives, we found some of the main doors of entry, we also looked at particular bondages of the heart that create avenues or ways people can be kept in bondage, and what it takes to break those. Now we just want to look at a couple of things. We'll look at the area of the casting out of spirits, just the simple dynamics of what to do. And uh, then we'll look at just the area of the heart and just dealing with some of the issues of heart, how you would just a, a way of going about doing it. Remember, there's no one way of doing anything. This is the way. The, the way is to depend on the Holy Spirit and be led by Him. <laughs> and all the rest is people's opinions on how it could be done. So different people have different ways of doing it, and there are a variety of ways. Like, for example, we, we have uh, most years uh, uh, an encounter retreat. We have what's called a freedom retreat, and we have a uh, restoration retreat, which Pastor Lynn runs, and these are encounters, so they are set up for spiritual encounters. So over the space of a Friday night and Saturday and maybe into Sunday, Every meeting is geared for an encounter experience. And in those experiences where faith is lifted up, often there's a great atmosphere where God moves. And a lot of things happen that sometimes you didn't even teach about or anything. It's just God is moving. So encounters are great ways of getting freedom. However, it's also true that process is important. And once we're free, we still need to stay free. So another way of doing it is, a, is the process that uh, Pastor Sarge and his wife just have been running, and that involves systematically going through some teaching, getting insight around the various blocks of the heart, leading up to identifying main root causes, and then ministry. And of course, when you have that, you learn the process then of how to identify and track your problems to the roots. That's also a very powerful way, and various other people have different ways of doing it. So I just think we just... Uh, just take what we share with you, and then begin to explore opportunities to pray and minister to people. And uh, none of us at this level are experts. We're all just, we can handle just the basic things, and that's good. So, so we want to cast out spirits. So what is involved in casting out spirits? So I think probably the first thing is you've got to diagnose the problem. You have to find the problem, first of all. Without diagnosing it, to diagnose something is to try and find out what are the roots, what are the doors of entry, that create the problems. And so how do we do that? Uh, these are the kinds of questions you could ask. You might like to jot them down. What is the problem? <laughs> That's the first thing. What is your problem? Uh, what is the struggle or difficulty you're having? You notice every case, that came, every person that came up, I asked them, well, what is the problem? Second uh, question to ask is, uh, how long have you had this problem? How long have you had it? Because if it's lifelong problem, then uh, you know it's possibly generational root cause. You notice when I asked uh, Megan, how long is the problem? Six months. We were then able to say, what happened about six months ago? Oh, oh, my mother died. And, and often we don't connect an event in our life or something that we did with the problems we're subsequently having. We just don't connect it because it doesn't look like it's connected. So always ask, what is the problem? How is it affecting you? How is it affecting you? How long have you had it? Those are good questions. What's the fruit and the symptoms? How is it affecting you? And it's also helpful if you ask, have you been to anyone else? <laughs> Are you currently going to anyone else? Because I found that someone may already have done a lot of work with them, and then they wanted them to repent of a sin, and they didn't repent, and now they've come to you for a different story. And so it always helps to find out if anyone else has been dealing with the problem. And, uh, you know, I hate it when they come and say, I've been to 20 counselors, now I'm coming to you. I tell them, I can't solve your problem. Only Jesus can, and you've got to meet his conditions. And so let's keep you talking about Jesus and the meeting his conditions. <laughs> so uh, the next thing is, what possible doors of entry? What possible doors of entry? 
Now, we've given you a list of possible doors of entry. It's helpful to keep those in mind. Generational curses and iniquities, things in the family, the family origin. We looked at the area of sin, habits or patterns of sin. We looked at a range of other areas, sexual sin, occultic areas, uh, and some of the various kinds of trauma and so on. Uh, so we, we looked at a number of ways that evil spirits can get into a person's life. We looked at, 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 at quite a few of those. And uh, then the, the last one is what possible heart bondages are there? Because this, I have learned over the years, I used to just confront the demons and deal with the legal rights. But we need to not only deal with the legal rights, we need to look at the issues of the heart where demons are attached. Because I have a, when I used to go to Asia uh, in my initial days, I found that we had a tremendous number of people delivered of spirits because of idolatry and generational curses and uh, the whole immersion of the culture in, in, in idolatrous roots. But what I've observed in the last 10 years is an increasing number of people with major problems that come out of relationships in the family. And so I've realized that it's not just the legal rights issues around generational spirits and so on. It's also the things that have gone on in the heart in terms of reacting to how people have been treated. And so I identified a little while ago uh, these, some of these bondages of the heart, which you need to be aware of and need to address. And we've just gone and prayed for a few people so you can actually see that it is real, that there is freedom, comes afterwards, that there's deliverance involved in it, and there's also some kind of bondage you have to break. So there it is. What is the problem? How long have you had this problem? Uh, How is it affecting you? Uh, then what possible doors of entry? And we begin to explore their background and so on. And then what possible heart bondages? So you'd keep a piece of paper and identify those things. I don't always pray for people after the first time I've met with them. I say, well, look, I've observed a few things here, and uh, this is the things I've observed. Why don't it be good for you to just go away and pray and prepare your heart for ministry? And uh, so in other words, give God room, now that we've talked about the things, to work on the person's heart and life. So uh, I found it very helpful to do that. Sometimes I pray straight away, but often I don't. Often I say, why don't you just have a little bit of time to pray and ask the Lord and prepare your heart? Because maybe there's people to forgive. Maybe there's some issue, issues of grieving. So I give them a bit of homework to go and spend some time before the Lord every day and uh, maybe do some journaling and ask them to prepare themselves for ministry. Then when they come, then we're ready to go. And when the person arrives, probably one of the first things I'll ask is, what has God been saying to you? What is in your mind? What is it that's on the top of your mind at the moment? And often the very thing that they will talk about is the key to get into their life. It's quite extraordinary that one thing that's just at the top of their mind, the Holy Spirit is brought there. So always we depend on the Holy Spirit. So how would we, uh, how would we do the ministry session? Uh, I would just usually explain to them, look, uh, this is, I, I want to explain to them how to cooperate. I need you to cooperate with me. This is not about just me setting you free. This is about us working with the Holy Spirit. So we talk to them about how you can cooperate and what their part is in it. And I say the first thing is you have to take ownership. This is your problem. And even if there are demons, it is your issue to bring to the Lord with faith in your heart, believing for him to help you. It's Jesus that can set you free. And we'd explain the uh, grounds to be set free, that there's got to be repentance. You've got to bring sin. Sin creates the legal grounds. So it explained to them, you need to confess sin to the Lord. It has to come to the cross. Otherwise, the legal grounds remain there. I'd tell them about the need to release forgiveness, that forgiveness, unforgiveness will keep the person in bondage. Uh, the need to renounce or speak words to cancel bondages or agreements with demons. And then to be quite proactive in resisting quite proactive and resisting. And uh, so I'll tell them then, as we begin our ministry time, uh, I'm going to lead you in a prayer to acknowledge who Christ is, what he's done for you, and to dismantle the demonic legal rights. Afterwards, I will pray for you. At that point, stop praying, center your thoughts on the Lord, and just cooperate in the process of deliverance. And I found it quite helpful if people cough uh, often just the act of, <coughs> it often can trigger off deliverance. Coughing does not deliver you. Many people cough and they're not delivered. But coughing can be an act of faith in that kind of environment that I'm resisting the spirit. So uh, I tell them just to cooperate, not be passive, waiting and letting me do something to them. 
you know, it always faith in the Bible always had a dynamic, active element to it. You know, they always did something. So then we'll begin and we start the ministry prayer. So commit our time to the Holy Ghost, ask him to release his gifts and anointing, and we're ready to go. Holy Ghost, we just welcome you here. We need you. We depend on you. We just invite you to come with power, with revelation, to help us uncover and, and see the things we need to see. Anoint us so we can minister freedom. Yeah, quite simple and uh, not a very hard thing. Then I lead the person in prayer. Now you notice each time I got the person, uh, I got them to pray something first of all. So uh, if I was just going through a uh, 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 deliverance process, was prayer I led you through is the kind of prayer I'd use. So it's broken up into these parts, quite easy to remember. First of all, acknowledgement of Christ. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I confess Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord. I am redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ from every curse, every evil spirit, all the power of sin. I belong to Jesus Christ. Now that's far more important than you realize. It's a confession or profession of your faith. It's a standing up inside and saying, I'm in the kingdom of God. Jesus is my king. I'm into his dominion. I belong to him. Everything around my life belongs to him. I believe that what he did is enough to set me free. So it's a statement to the spirit world of where you are. And I, I have found it many times when I've ministered to people, they manifested right at that point. So it was just at that point the stuff started to come up. And uh, so, so number one, I get them to acknowledge Christ and acknowledge what he has done. Number two, I get them to speak and just confess. And Father, I just ask you to forgive me for this, this, and this, and this. I just repent of the sin. I ask your forgiveness, and I receive forgiveness now. A person needs to not only ask for forgiveness, they need to receive. I thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness. I, I receive your forgiveness. I forgive those who've hurt me, maybe a father or mother or someone who's hurt them. I release forgiveness to them, and I, and I forgive myself where I've been involved. Sometimes with sexual, some people need to forgive themselves. So number one, the confession of faith. Two, the sin issue. Three, forgiveness issues. And then for renouncing, I renounce every generational curse. I renounce agreements I have made, my family have made with evil spirits. I renounce them. I cancel them. I put the cross of Christ between me and the family line. And, and it's quite helpful to do that. That makes clear statements. If there's any agreements, I'm canceling them right now. Those words are very important. Demons listen to the words and they react sometimes angrily. Then I get them to say, now, Lord, I call on you to set me free. I, so I resist the devil. Satan, go from my life in Jesus' name. I've just found that helpful. Other people do it different ways. There's no one way, but that's quite an easy way to remember. It keeps in mind the foundations. Repentance, release forgiveness, renounce, resist, and reach out to Jesus. Okay, so how when it comes to ministering to the person, what are you going to do? Where do you lay hands? Well, ask the Holy Ghost to show you where to lay hands. You could lay hands around the head like that. You could lay hands on the belly. Often demons are around the belly area or around the head area or maybe just on the back. But uh, if you're going to lay hands on someone, just tell them what you're going to do. I'm just going to lay hands on you as I begin to pray. And, and ask people, treat people with respect. You could ask their permission. And uh, then the first thing I tend to do is to break the, the agreements. I tend to break the uh, areas where there's agreements. So for some, many times I'm praying for people, there's agreements with Freemasonry, there's agreements with idols, there's agreements with uh, dedications. Uh, uh, they may have had curses spoken over them. There may be soul ties over their life. In Jesus' name, I just break that agreement. I break that soul tie. I break those inner vows. Speak and break things. And as you're breaking it, remember what I talked to you, that, that as you imagine, you open your inner man to what you're imagining. So I just see in the Spirit, I see... Like there's these cords around them, and I'm just cutting them with the Holy Ghost. I'm cutting them with the sword of the Spirit. I'm breaking them as I speak that word. So I sort of see it. that This is what I'm doing. I'm doing that. I'm breaking that thing. And uh, so we break those. And then, uh, and it's done very simply. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I just break. I break soul ties. I break them. I break them. It doesn't matter if you repeat yourself. I break them. I break them. Now, you don't have to speak loud. You just lose your voice if you yell out. Loud, demons don't care about loud. What they care about is authority. That's why I was talking to you about putting yourself into your words. You've got to believe that what you say will take place. 
Okay then, so we break the bondages, generational curses and whatever it is that we're dealing with at that time. Then you must command the spirits to go. So you can do it with your eyes open or eyes shut. It's just a matter of preference. You have your eyes open, you can see if anything's going on and observe it. So in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I command you come out. Now, just raise the tone and energy of your voice and speak right into the person. Uh, what I'll do is I'll just get a few people up here just so I can show what I mean. I just need a group of people to come up. Just, just a group of you could just come up for a moment. Just so I can show you what I'm, I'm meaning. Just, just come and stand. You don't have to do anything except stand. Okay, you're the first up. Here we go. Come and stand right in front of me there. There we are. You just stand in front of me there. The others just come around. Put your hand on a shoulder. You're the demons. Come on, need another demon. That's right. Come on, another one there. Bring another, another lady. Come on over. That's right. Okay. All right, then. Now, it just helps to understand. I want to just create a visual picture of what you're doing. Because when you're... Uh, so what we're doing now is we are, we're praying and ministering to our sister. However, she has invisible spirit beings that have got a grip and a hold on her life. And the hold they have is through the legal rights or the traumatic experiences and reactions that go with it. And that's how they're attached. So what we're doing now is this. When we are leading her through the prayer to release forgiveness, what we're doing is we're breaking the holds of the demons one at a time. We're breaking the, the, the parts that they could grip the person's life. So now instead of actually being able to hold her and grip her and move her around, now we've broken those things off them. Now I've got to speak to the spirits. Now what you will see with your natural eyes is just the person standing there. What you've got to be able to see eyes of your heart uh, or your imagination is that there's an invisible spirit being I'm about to address now. So when you're talking with the person, I'm just talking with you. But when I come to ministering and dealing with the demon, now I will talk differently and I'm in confrontation mode of a spirit, something inside her. So I will speak like I'm speaking to a specific person, speaking to a specific person, speaking to them. And in Jesus' name, I command you to go. So it looks like you're just talking to this person here, but actually inside you believe firmly you are talking to a demon being and you are engaging it. Now, shaking her, hitting her, doing anything, it's not going to do anything to the demon. Now, there's a lot of abuse of deliverance. That's why it's created such a bad name because people shake them and they think by shaking them or whatever, it's going to make the difference to the demon. There is only one thing that will deal with the demon and that is the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And, and so Jesus said, the words I speak, they are spirit and they are life. So Jesus spoke words he meant and the life of the Holy Ghost was in them. Now, you have to speak words and you must mean what you say. So you speak to the demon in Jesus' name, come out. So maybe spirit of idolatry and you command that demon to come out. Loose, come out in Jesus' name. It's quite simple. Very simple. No long words or anything like that. Come out. Come out. Out in Jesus' name. And uh, don't just add Jesus' name. To say in Jesus' name means I am his representative. So I don't have to tack it onto everything I say. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. You know, the blood of Jesus, blood of Jesus. It's like, it's like superstitious. You understand? I'm just actually representing Jesus. I am in his name and nature representing him. And so I don't have to keep using that. In, Jesus, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, come out and speak strongly. Now, Initially, nothing may happen. Just keep reinforced. Just speak your command over more than once. And sometimes demons may actually start to manifest. Now, if a demon manifests, it will show up in the behavior of the person. Now, some people shut down all manifestations so nothing's seen and it's all very quiet. That's okay. I just noticed that when Jesus did it, lots of stuff happened. Maybe he had a reason for that. I don't know. And uh, however, I don't mind if there's a bit of manifestation. It doesn't worry me too much, but I manage it. I don't let it get out of control. So when we start to speak to the demons, uh, it says uh, in one case in Luke 4 that the, the demon threw the person to the ground and then came out. It looked like he was dead. And uh, in fact, one case, the child was thrown to the ground, thought he's dead. Everyone said he's dead. Then he just got up again like that. And so... It often looks like something dramatic has happened, whereas in fact all that's happened is the spirit is protesting. So just keep, so when you're speaking, keep speaking strongly, forcefully to the demon. Come out, out, out. Arise inside and you're being pushy. You understand what I'm saying? You're being pushy. You're pushing against something 
that's hostile. Probably the best way to describe it is like this. It's if you saw a child and there's a dog beating the child, biting the child, you would, you would feel very angry and upset by that and you'd run in almost without regard for yourself and grab that, that dog and begin to beat it because your concern is for the child. And your concern for the child is so great, it overcomes your fear of the dog and before you know it, you're in there beating up on the dog or hitting the thing and trying to get off. And then afterwards you think, oh my God, what did I just do? You know? So in a way, we're beating up the demons. You know? You're speaking the word of God to them, commanding them to go. So just keep it up. Go, go in Jesus' name. Now, expect that as you speak, that God will give you the names of the spirits. And you'll already have an idea because of what you've uh, asked the questions on, spirit of death, spirit of this and that. So just, and listen, be willing to have a go. What if you got it wrong? Don't worry about getting it wrong. You probably get more right than you get wrong. Just be better to have a turn and ask the person afterwards how it went. So speak. Now, if the demons start to manifest, that can be a bit of a problem. Now, when a demon's manifest, what that means is what was invisible becomes visible. The demon actually begins to express itself through the person. So if you just put your hands back on her again, that's right, yeah, that's right, you got a hold of it right there. Now, so if a demon began to manifest its presence, so I've got them on, they're all shaking it there like that, that's it, there you go. Okay, now, what would happen is, if you keep your eyes open, you can observe things. So these are what you're observing. You're looking at the eyes. Now, when the demon manifests through the eyes, there's some things you can have happen. One is, they get full of hate. Suddenly, you look, whoo, that was a nice lady. What happened, you know? <laughs> there's somebody else in there, you know? And the nice lady went, and there's suddenly there's something that's got cold hate like a wild animal. That's the devil. That's an evil spirit, and that's what it looks like. Cold and furious and full of hate. Or alternatively, suddenly the eyes fill with tremendous fear. So it can be fear or hate. Those are the most common ones that I see. Or sometimes the eyes will just flick up, and all you can see are the whites of the eyes. The demon's trying to hide, does not want to look at you. Because remember... You are representing Jesus Christ. Now, you may think you're just you, but the demon sees Christ. You are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. So when you stand to minister in his name and the anointing is on you, the demon just sees a blazing white light. You know, you read in the book of Revelation, John saw Jesus and his eyes were like a flaming fire. So great to pray, Lord, I thank you, your presence is in me, and my eyes are like a flaming fire. Why not? They are. I, I was talking to one person, she said, she said, I can't see you. I said, what? when she's standing there that close with her eyes open, she says, I can't see you, I can't see you. I said, what do you see? She said, I see a blazing white light, and I can't see anything else. Isn't that amazing? So, you may think you're just you, but when you're standing in ministry, you're representing Jesus, and the demons see something different. They see him in you. Christ in you, the hope that his glory will appear. And even if the world hasn't seen it yet, the demons can see it, and they hate it, and they're scared of him. Okay, so sometimes you see it in the eyes. All right, the next place to look for it is in the hands. Now, what you'll find happens is your hands are just relaxed like that. But when the demons start to manifest, you'll see a couple of things that might happen. One is the hands go like a claw shape. When they're like that, that inevitably is witchcraft or some occultic power. It can go quite like a claw. Uh, or sometimes you'll find they'll clench up and you see them closing up like they're about to just break out in rage and fury, which they are. And uh, it, you know then there's hate and anger and rage. It's just all starting to manifest in the person at that time. Don't be frightened of it. Uh, you may find that their body starts to stiffen up like that, okay? Or you may find something in the mouth. Now, what can happen in the mouth is that sometimes I've seen a tongue go in. A, you've seen those snakes? I've seen exactly that with a human tongue more than once, more than once. And so that, and it's manifesting. You know, when it's like that, you know it's a cultic of some kind. It's a cultic. So often, the way the spirit manifests reveals a little bit about what kind of spirit it is. And uh, so sometimes it'll be like that, or sometimes the person may begin to roar. There's a crazy roar uh, to try and intimidate you, 
or they may scream or they may threaten you or they may speak to you. So all kinds of things can happen through the mouth like that. Uh, and another thing that they may try to do, the hands clench up, the person may try and choke themselves. It's like the demon is trying to stop the thing happening, trying to, I will kill her. I've heard them say that, I'll kill her. I've also said, I'll kill you. More than once. Now, you just don't take any notice of what demons say. Just persevere. Continue. Be quiet in Jesus' name. Continue your work of deliverance. Don't be distracted by any manifestations. Just if need be, command them to be still and carry on with the job of commanding the demon out. Once the demon manifests, you know you've got it beat already. And so I'll find sometimes they'll be incredibly defiant and you'll almost be like, I've got it. you're in one another's face just looking at that demon. And then if you will just hold your ground, you have to arise inside and hold your ground, you'll find suddenly the demon will look like this, this way and that way, and then they're gone. Go! <laughs> I got you. <laughs> and I've just many times uh, when it comes to that point, you feel like there's two people having done all, you're just standing, and then suddenly it begins to waver, and then I'll push a bit harder, it's gone, just like that. So, and you'll, you'll, you've got to see it to actually experience it. There's only other way to see it, is you've got to experience it to see some of these things happening. So it's the person may try and choke themselves, so just restrain them, pull their hand away from themselves. I've had them also try and rip their clothes off, which is a bit unfortunate, and so it helps if you have someone with you, because it's hard to explain what happened. So ministry is best done in pairs. And there's a safety comes if you operate as a team rather than trying to do it alone because one, you have a joint witness about what happened and what didn't happen. Two, it's safer for the person concerned because there's another person involved. Three, you have joint strength because we're two or three in agreement. There's a, there am I in the midst of you. And three, you have the, uh, the, the anointing flow increases when you're working together in unity like that. And uh, of course, uh, if you're working in a team, one is praying and interceding and, and helping and assisting, the other is taking the lead. You can't have two people leading. If you have two people giving instructions, the demon just shuts down and nothing will happen. So one must lead, the other supports. You can change roles if you need to, but at one time, one person leading. And so I found many times everyone's having a go and it's just useless. You tell them, be quiet, all of you. Just one person speak, the other's just intercede. Idea. So another thing that the person may do, they may begin to shake. So sometimes the person is unclean spirits. You may find that they just go like this, uh, and they try like they're trying to shake the demon out. Uh, sometimes the person will just fall over on the ground, just drop to the ground. It does not mean they're delivered. It can mean the demon's just trying to get away from you. So you just go back down on the ground and you lay hands on the person, continue to pray until you feel the Holy Spirit showing you. Okay. There we go. Well, thank you. You've been very helpful. <laughs> and thank you for the demons. Give them a big clap. They did a great job. Yeah. <laughs> okay, then. So sometimes there are, there are significant resistance, particularly if there's occult. The key thing is if you can remove the legal grounds, the deliverance proceeds reasonably easily without too much happening. So those are some of the, the manifestations uh, that, that can take place. And uh, I've had people jump. I've had them slither like snakes. I've had all kinds of things. I've had them jump around. I've had them even try and jump out of a window. So lots of things can happen. I quite actually enjoy it when things happen. It's great. However, some people just uh, speak and shut down all forms of manifestation whatsoever. And I, I don't think there's a right way and a wrong way of doing it. But you do, of all the things, preserve people's dignity. Preserve people's dignity. Treat people of value. Don't get caught up in the power kick on deliverance. So how could you know if the spirits are gone? What, what would you do to know the spirits have gone? Uh, it isn't always easy to know, but there are several, uh, several things. First of all, deliverance can be progressive. In other words, you may have more than one session or one time, like peeling layers of an onion off. Two, think in terms of groups of spirits rather than just one spirit that you're dealing with at one time. There's often a group of them. Three, how you can tell if they're gone. There's three ways I know of. One is, ask the person, has it gone? And they'll tell you, yeah or no. Uh, the second way that you could find is, is you feel the release. It's like you're pushing against something and it suddenly quits on you. It's gone. Then you know it's a release. 
Uh, and the third way is the Holy Spirit just gives you a witness that the demon is gone. You have a sense inside of peace comes and that turmoil is all gone. Now, in, in, in any situation, what I encourage you to do, just keep praying in tongues. Put your hand on the back, keep praying in tongues. One of the things I've done sometimes is just look them in the eyes. Say, look at me, look at my eyes. And I look in the eyes and I rise up. If there's any demon still in there, it'll immediately manifest. Um, so <clears throat> I think uh, this comes with experience being able to work that out. Now, it isn't always easy to tell the difference between an evil spirit and emotional pain. They're always easy to see which is which. All I can say is they look a little similar. However, when it's demonic, it's got an ugly edge on it. It just looks something not right. It looks something really out of sorts, and it will yield if you speak to it. If a person's just manifesting emotions and their grief and anger or rage or whatever, then it's got a feeling of it's, it's an emotional expression. It doesn't yield to commands. It yields to the person's will. So if someone gets very emotional or it gets very upset, just calm the person down, deal with the roots again, some of the heart issues, and deliverance should be quite easy to do. So how come some people don't get delivered? And there's always some. There's some don't get delivered, some don't get healed. And the, the areas fall into two groups. One is problems with the person who's receiving ministry, and the other one is problems with the person ministering. So the, remember, we're not perfect at all of these things. We're not, no one's perfect at all of these ministries. We can got to grow into these areas. And if you wait till you're perfect, you never do a thing. So some of the difficulties that arise from the person ministering. Remember, Jesus, the disciples came and said, we couldn't cast that demon out. How come? He said, because of your unbelief. So clearly, preparation of the heart of the minister is quite important before you minister. So sometimes it's just lack of experience. You just didn't know what to do. And that's okay. Learn as much as you can from it. Ask someone for some input and advice and learn from there. Sometimes it can be just lack of faith. It just isn't the faith in your heart. And prayer and fasting, Jesus said, is the remedy to that, spending time with God. That's why the period preceding ministry is quite good to proceed it with prayer and fasting because the person connects with God and you connect with God. When you come together, everyone's anticipating God working. Sometimes it's an unresolved legal right or sin issue in the person's life. Sometimes it's just something they didn't tell you. And you've got to ask God to show you what it is that's hindering that process or ask the person... It's the Holy Spirit showing them something. Because God can reveal in the process the issue, quite simply. Even remember when I was praying with one person here, they suddenly remembered something, came to their mind. So the Holy Spirit can just, it's his job to bring things back to mind. Uh, sometimes the reason the person doesn't get free is because the foundations have been laid, lack of forgiveness, lack of repentance. Those are the big ones. Sin's still there, unforgiveness still there, the person doesn't get set free. Okay then, so the second is the area of um, the person themselves. Now, I have found, I guess when they're dealing with people, that the, the prime reason I've seen people not get set free is they just didn't front up and deal with sin or they didn't forgive. Those are the big ones. However, sometimes the person is quite passive, shut down, and they just come up, okay, I've been to 20 people, now you do your thing. This is not going to get anything from God. There's, there's just a lack of faith and expectation. Uh, sometimes we have not dealt with the foundational issues in their life, and that's why they dealt with the root system. Uh, so sometimes that's why it's there. Sometimes the person is just too passive. They stand there and they're passive. And you, you, can t you know what? I can tell when people are hungry and drawing. Faith has a draw. Faith draws something from God. Passivity, the person's will is not engaged. They're just, oh, here we are. Just see what happens. And sometimes God will surprise them. But most times nothing happens because God does not work. Uh, he works where there's faith expectation. The idea? Okay then. So those are some of the reasons. Um, after deliverance, you need to just uh, recognize you will be a bit tired. Your body gets a bit sweaty and whatever. You get tired, so have a good shower and have a good, have a good uh, meal. Have some protein so you replenish. Deliverance takes energy out of your body. Have some good protein and have some good rest. Your spirit, if you do a lot of deliverance, I found sometimes I'd get so defiled of praying for how many hundreds of people, I just get sick of it. I just feel dirty and grubby and horrible. And I think I never want to pray for anyone again. 
Uh, it's true. You just feel like that. And it's just because your spirit is shocked by the engagement with the unclean and the violence and all the stuff that goes with it, the grief, turmoils that go in deliverance ministry. So I found it's very helpful uh, if you like that to just spend time in worship, time with the Lord, rest and refresh. But of all the areas, perhaps the one that's the difficult one that people forget is the area of your soul, your emotions. Now, when you get involved ministering to people, it's not only draining spiritually and physically, it's actually draining in your emotions. And so I find often after ministry, I'm quite vulnerable and quite drained. And I don't really want to talk too much to people. I want to actually recover. And everyone has got to learn how to recover your soul. You know, he restores my soul. It's not just deep, deep kinds of, uh, you know, issues we've had. It's also just being refreshed in your soul. And I have found that to go near nature or to go to the sea deeply refreshes my soul. And so I can move in the spirit better after a good day's sleep and a time out in a boat better than if I spent a whole day in prayer. Now, it doesn't sound right, does it? But actually, if you understand the flow of the spirit comes through your soul, if your soul is in turmoil, then there's the flow of the spirit is affected by that. So I have found it's important to properly restore your soul or you become vulnerable to temptations, vulnerable to oppression. You feel often quite down and sometimes quite rejected after ministry time. It's quite an unusual experience. Once you've had a time when you've prayed for someone extensively, you'll understand what I mean. And so it's important, get your body to have a good sleep, get something good food inside you. And then secondly, restore your soul Get something you enjoy doing, nature, craft, something you just relax doing. For some, they just be sitting in a hot pool. Some that may be done, just do some shopping, or they may just so whatever it is that restores your soul. I found movies seldom restore your soul unless it's comedy. Comedy gets you laughing, and that can restore your soul. But dramatic movies just distract you, but don't restore. You. And so often after ministry. Um, I find I'm just so out there, I may just watch television, but it does not restore my soul. It just helps me come down a bit. And uh, so, George uh, said, so what are you watching? I said, I don't know. <laughs> well, I don't know. Just flicking channels, I think. I'm just, I'm trying to, I'm just coming out of where I've been because I've been ministering for too long and been in, the, in that realm for too long. I just find I just need a way. Now, everyone's got to learn how to manage their body, soul, and spirit. Now, the last thing I'll touch on there is what about demonic attack? Do you get attacked by demons? Do we get attacked by demons? Of course, you're in a war. You're attacked by demons whether you like it or not. You're living in a war zone. So doing deliverance, am I likely to get a bit more? Yes, of course you get a bit more. So what would it look like? Well, if you're going to get um, pressure from evil spirits, you'll get it three places or three different timings. One is before ministry, one is during ministry, and one is after ministry. So how about that? <laughs> However, it's just because they don't like you doing this. They take offense that you would dare to invade their ground. So in getting involved in deliverance, you're declaring war on demons. Of course, they're going to fight back. They're not going to walk away. They're going to push on you to see what you got. What are you made of? Let's test you out a little bit. Here's the thing. God says you'll never be pressured or tempted above what you are able. So there are some things that you need to just be aware of. So let me just give you a few of those things. I've got them written down here. I may have them. Let's see if I've got them written down. Oh, well, I haven't got them written down, but it's okay. I can just explain them to you. So before ministry, this is what often happens before ministry, high levels of agitation. High levels of agitation. So what, what do I mean by that? Your spirit gets on edge. You get edgy and you get irritable. So if I'm in, if, if my, how many know that you can have different sensations in your spirit? How many of you have woken up and you were singing a song? That's a worship sensation. You've been engaging God in your sleep, in your spirit, and now you're in a place of worship. You wake up singing, all right? Okay, how many of you have uh, had a situation where you're on high alert inside and agitated or slightly uh, anxious but not sure why? That's spiritual conflict. You're in a war. The fact you're not too sure what it is or where it is doesn't mean you aren't in one. It means demons have come near to you and they're about to push on you or are pushing on you. And the, 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 the feeling you have in your sense is to be agitated inside and on edge, edgy. 
So whenever we have anything of significant spiritual things happening in the church, I'll find times when the prophetic edgy or get a little, there's a sort of a stir inside and you're, you're on edge and you don't know why. You, there's like something is about to happen, but you've no idea what's about to happen. And you can get a little tense and a bit short with people. So when you get like that, you need to be aware you're under spiritual attack. And the remedy is just to pray in tongues and rest in the Lord. You've got to learn to just speak in the Spirit and rest in the Lord. Speak strongly, subdue whatever's there, and rest in the Lord. So uh, the other thing that can come up is you can have this overwhelming sense, I don't want to get involved in ministry. Why did I ever think I should say yes to that person? I should never have done that. And you just don't want to be involved. So all of that is the kind of stuff you can have. And then things go wrong. So like, for example, the last two seminars, I think it went all right this time. You must have got the breakthrough then. But the last two seminars, the machines broke down. You know, what, and we, you know you, you, we run hundreds of things through the machine and nothing goes wrong. You put one of my manuals in and it produces half of it and the rest is blank. Uh, what is that all about? And you can't get it to come right until Sergeant prayed and then it came right. Uh, we have a problem in the sound gear. You know, sound people do well in the world. You know, they learn their stuff and they do their stuff. You come into the church and it's just got something else to it that no one told me about. It's called demons. And something can, you know, something can go well and then you don't even touch it and it's suddenly changed. You want, how did that happen? There's a spiritual influence around what we do. And so often when we have meetings like this, I'll have unusual pressure come on me through the week. Lynn would know, the sergeant know that, Joy knows that. We all know, we've been around a while, we just know, oh, oh, yeah, we've got a meeting coming up, demons are getting agitated, must be going to be good. You know, just go for it. So the tough get up and get standing up. So in, during ministry, you can have uh, some demonic pressure come on you as well. Now, it's nothing, this is all it amounts to. In the middle of ministering, you can just have this overwhelming feeling, I just want to quit and go home. I've had enough. I'm out of here. You'd be surprised. Now, that's so simple, but it can just overwhelm you just like that. I don't want to do it anymore. I've had enough. And I've been amazed very often when I've been in ministry calls, that almost the whole ministry team quit on me, just gave up, just left me to it. You'd be surprised. I mean, if you had that little happen to you, they all give up. They'll give up and you find, and you've got hundreds of people to pray for, and the ministry team pray for a few, and then they quit. They gradually walk away and go, and they're all gone. You think, what happened? I'm just left there with all these people because they, they came under spiritual pressure and just quit. So quitting is one thing. Uh, a second thing that can happen is you can get an immense block in your mind. So you can go up to someone and say, hello, I'm so-and-so, what's your name? And they'll tell you, well, I'm Jeff, you know? And then about 30 seconds later, you cannot remember who you're talking to, and you can't remember what they said they came for. It's like blank. Your mind goes totally blank, and you think, whoa, then you feel a bit dumb. I'm going to have to ask again. I've forgotten. How could I have forgotten now? And you just told me. And, uh, and, but what it is, it's witchcraft operating, and the witchcraft freezes your mind. The witchcraft pressures on you, and you just get confusion in your mind. So sometimes when you come to pray for people, you'll feel all this confusion come around your mind. It is just witchcraft. And all you've got to do is very simply, just step back from the person, pray in tongues, cool, blah, 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 you don't have to pray loud, just stir your spirit up, praying in tongues, and reaching out to the Lord again, just consciously resisting that demon, let the flow of the spirit come, and then suddenly your head will clear. Or you might just do this, you might say, in Jesus' name, I take authority over witchcraft and unbelief. Because that's the other one, they're blocked what you call blocking spirits. They block the flow. And I found sometimes just that was enough to unlock something to happen. Isn't that interesting, isn't it? Then another thing that can happen is you can have the most outrageous sexual temptations while you're in the ministry, while you're in the middle of praying for people. You're supposed to be the holy person praying and bringing deliverance, and suddenly this ghastly stuff comes into your mind. You think, where did that come from? And straight after it, of course, comes condemnation. And the reason's very simple, that many of the people are carrying unclean spirits. And so you get there and you start to engage them, and the way they engage you is they fill your mind with pictures and then straight after condemn you. So you, to try and get you to lose confidence, so you'll either be distracted and, and give in to the temptation in some kind of way, or you'll, you'll just get condemned and lose your authority in ministry. So it's kind of, most people don't talk about, but that's what goes on, it's what happens, and it's outrageous. Uh, I mean, you'd be surprised how many times people are worshipping in church and suddenly unclean sexual things comes into their mind. I, I, in one church, I got and pulled their hands up and I had about 
three quarters. Nearly almost all the church put their hands up. And they were all astonished because everyone thought, I'm the only one who's got that problem. I'm really bad. Can you understand? This is the demonic realm. They just work in a predictable way. So sometimes you'll, so those are some of the things you have during ministry uh, and, uh, the, and the, the pressures that come upon you just during the flow of ministry. And all you do is step back, pray in tongues, rise up in your spirit and go back again and continue to pray. And then the last thing is after ministry. So uh, pressure can come on you after ministry. And the pressures that come on you after ministry are, uh, well, very simply because one, you're physically depleted. Two, you're emotionally depleted. Three, uh, although your spirit may be stirred up, you do need to recover and, and become, come for the Lord. So the kind of things that happen after ministry is you can, after ministry, here's what you can feel. Now get this. You can feel immensely rejected. You can feel a total loser <laughs> and totally rejected and of no value to anyone or anything. And you just think, that's it. I've had enough. I'm not going even back to church. Now, you'd say, how could that be possible? Yesterday... You were casting out demons, and oh, there's this mighty thing happening. Today, you're about to cut your throat. What's going on? Well, there's biblical precedent. Have a think of Elijah. One day, he's up there, and there's fire from heaven, and he's killed all the prophets. Next day, he's under a tree, depressed, and wanting to take his life. This is demonic attack. And so demonic attack after ministry can affect you because you become more vulnerable. You become vulnerable there, and you're emotionally depleted. And so what happens is you may feel overwhelmed with feelings of rejection. That's very simple. It's, it's actually quite simple, and the remedy is very simple. The problem is you're just emotionally depleted. Just go do something that refreshes your soul and have a good sleep, and you'll feel much better. That's all it takes. It's nothing really deep, just something simple like that. When you are emotionally depleted, old issues come up much more easily. You feel of no value, and you've just got to restore your value again. So Shout yourself out, do something nice, do something that makes your soul restored, and step back up again, and you'll come right. So that's one way. In other ways, you can become vulnerable to temptation because you've just come on a high of having good experience. The next thing, the devil's on you, and before you know it, you fall into some old temptation, and then you think, oh, oh, you know, and then he condemns you, and you're, oh, you know, and you feel, oh, what's the use of me trying to. Be? But this is the war that goes with ministry. So we, once you've been in it a little while, you just learn. Okay, you can do some ministry. Before you, before you go there, you're going to have a bit of pressure. During it, you may have some stuff. Afterwards, you may have some stuff. Wake up. It's a war. This is what it means to be in ministry. So, and this is what Paul wrote to Timothy. Endure hardness as a good soldier of the Lord. Huh? So those are some of the things that come upon you in ministry. Now, you think you're the only one who has this? We have them all the time. It never stops. I can get sick. I can have things happen, I have things go wrong, I have stuff happens just on my way into ministry. You'll be surprised how many times just before I get to minister, I've just prayed up in the right place and suddenly some terrible thing will happen and I'm just torn apart with this conflict between wanting to do something for God and this personal thing I've got to face now that's very difficult. This is ministry. And in ministry, you can be having God moving wonderfully in one part of your life and the other part is a total disaster and you don't know what to do. And you think, how can that be like that? Listen, and the temptation is to be preoccupied with yourself and stop doing what God called you to do. And this is why so many Christians get defeated by that. The devil just puts a bit of pressure on them. They have a bit of misery at home. Something goes wrong. There's a conflict, upheaval, and then they quit. They don't understand, you didn't quit. You just got knocked out and KO'd by a devil, and you didn't get back up. Why don't you get back up? Oh, I didn't feel I was good enough. Who told you that? A devil? And you believed him? Get up! Just get up again. The steps of a good man are ordered, though, the Lord. By he fall, though he fall, he'll not be utterly cast down. The Lord lift him back up again. Righteous fall seven times, and the Lord lifts him back up again. God just wants you to get back up again. Don't worry if you have some mistake, failure, whatever. They're all dealt with at the cross. Just get quickly in before God. Put it right and get back up again. What honors God is you getting back up and getting in the fight again. You've got to remember this. He left the demons for us to clean up. He left them for us to clean up. He said, I'm authorizing the church. Go clean them up. Sort them out. So if we don't do that, then we're missing out the privilege. This honor have all the saints, it says in Psalm 149. This is an honor. This is an honor 
that Jesus won the victory and we would now go out and enforce the victory and make demons yield to us. No wonder they come back and say, whoa, demons are subject to us in Jesus' name. He said, well, don't get excited about that. Get excited. Your name is written in heaven. You're part of a great and a coming kingdom that's going to fill the whole world. Amen? Great stuff. I want to give a lot of clap. Don't you? I feel excited already. <laughs> Hallelujah. We love you, Lord. Glory. Yes, Lord. Oh, my. Let's just take our seat. Come on. On the last run. Last 30 minutes. <laughs> Cameraman's all laughing. Okay. Right, just before we just finish our last session, firstly, I want to just express appreciation to Horawai, who has uh, set up and organized the sound and the videos. And uh, he doesn't just do the work here, he sets to bring them together afterwards and try to make sense of them and clip them and put headings and tails on it and make it into something you can get hold of, a DVD later on. So a lot of... One, for one hour here, there's about 12 hours goes into getting it all ready. So a lot of work goes into that. And uh, so really appreciate you, Horowai, for what you're doing in that area. And uh, we trust the resource will all be available for people uh, eventually. <laughs> I won't put a time. What? Four hours, is it? What? what? Four years. <laughs> I'm going to talk to your wife. I think we can shorten that quite a lot. <laughs> I also want to thank uh, Pastor Sargent for setting up all the room, making sure everything was all ready, arranging all the things that happened, and for getting something printed off. <laughs> all the battles he's had to face getting the things printed off and all ready to go. Appreciate it very much. You've made all that happen. You've just made it so I can walk in and the seminar's all here, ready to go. Thank you for everything and getting all that done. And for the team that you've had, who have you had working with you with the afternoon teas? And Josie and, and Jeriel. Okay, Dot's gone, is she? Okay, well, thank you, each of those that were named there. I want to give them a clap and just appreciate them. Thank you very much. Okay, now you can see we've just sort of, we've only really scratched the surface around all of this area, but you've got enough to get started. You've got enough to get going. If you wait till you learn it all, you'll never do anything. Learning is a constant journey of experience. So I would be praying, God, bring some people into my life that are ready for me to pray for them. In other words, they're at the level that I need. Now, I've observed over the years, God just brought them into my life. And everyone that came in, difficult or not difficult, was exactly what I needed to learn some lessons. And I just learned, I just considered the Holy Ghost as the teacher. He's got people, he wants me to learn. If I'm open and will respond and serve people he brings into my life, I can learn. And wherever you are, you can learn and take another step. And you know enough now to even talk about this stuff. You'd be amazed how many people have spirit experiences and don't know what to do with it. So we've tried to focus primarily in this one around deliverance area and touch, because you have to deal with heart issues, we've had to touch into some of the heart issues. And uh, I'm going to get you all just to pray and minister to one another shortly. Before I do, I want to just uh, pray. I'm going to minister to Sharon. So uh, Sharon, I'd like to come up here. And uh, Sharon was sharing an experience with me over the over the afternoon uh, cup of coffee. So what we'll do is we'll get Sharon to share the experience and then we'll just uh, pray and see what God will do. And we can use the, her experience and this opportunity to minister. We can use it just as a way of just learning together. Are you happy about that? Yes. Okay, I'd like happy. to tell me, you were telling me about something happened when you were young. When I was very little, just before I was born, um, I, my mother, my dad was driving his truck and he went round a roundabout and I was into a womb and my mum flew out and landed on her back on the road as they went, because they didn't have seatbelts in those days. And I was born a couple of days later, um, prem, and I wouldn't nurse very well because I was tongue-tied. And my mum reckoned I screamed until she put me on a bottle two weeks later. Um, when we were reading some of the stuff this morning, going through one thing this morning, I was looking at the trauma stuff and I just started to cry. And I didn't know why. Mm -hmm. That'll okay. do. That'll do. That's plenty. <laughs> That's enough. 
that's enough. Right. Uh, Bruce like to come up and just be the catcher. Okay, so I thought that it's, it's uh, it, with Sharon's permission, we'll just pray and ask the Lord to touch her because clearly this is not a trauma that she had when she was uh, outside the womb. This is actually trauma within the womb, and yet clearly the signs of something wrong are there, the fact that she didn't bond, that there was tremendous conflict between her and her mother over the bonding issue, and that, of course, will have had issues for you all your life. And yeah, so, and then there must have been, her mother must have got a horrendous shock in falling out of the vehicle, being that stage, late stage of pregnancy. So there would have been a tremendous shock and fear come into the mother. Child would have known about it, and then Sharon will have carried the impact of that all her life. But often we think that's just how I am, and so we don't think, or maybe actually something's happened that's affected me. And so we need the Holy Spirit to come. Now, I don't know all the damage that's been done. I don't know all that's been done, but the Holy Spirit does. He brings things back to memory. And you notice that Sharon had no conscious recollection of this event. I've never heard her talk about it in all the years I've known you. And yet, in looking at the material, suddenly it came up and she felt tears. That means God is speaking to her. Tears are the language of the heart. So she felt the tears and she was honest enough to share it with me. So what we'll do is we'll just ask the Holy Spirit to come and just help with the situation. And uh, it's a great opportunity for us all to learn. So just take your hand. Thank you. Just close your eyes now. The Holy Spirit, we really need you. We, we're aware that there's been a great shock and a trauma take place in Sharon's life right back there at this point of an accident. Lord, where a mother just came out of the car and fell on the ground. And Lord, we don't know all that's happened, but we're asking you to come, Holy Spirit, and to come upon her now right to that point of trauma and to begin to start to touch her life. Make Jesus very real to her. Lord, we just ask you and invite you to come right now. Holy Spirit, come. Just allow yourself to enter it. Don't wait if there's tears. Let the tears come. Let the tears. What's happening? Can you tell us what's happening? You feel very scared. So there's a spirit of fear has come into your life at that point. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I break all soul ties to that trauma. I break them. I break them. I break them. I command the fear of death, spirit of fear. I command you right now, come on, out of her, out of her now. Come out now, out now, out, out in Jesus' name. Loose her in Jesus' name right now. That's right, out, out, out. Fear, tormenting spirits of fear, come out now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We speak to every spirit that used that opportunity of trauma to enter your life. I speak to each of you now. I bind your operation in her life, and I command you to let her go and release her now in Jesus' name. Let her go. I break every lie. It's not safe. I break every lie. It's not safe for me. I break it over your life right now in Jesus' name. The Holy Spirit, just come. Come and bring healing and restoration into her life. Come, Holy Spirit. Come into that situation. Just keep looking for the Lord. See what he's doing now. What are you becoming aware of? What are you seeing? Where are you? You don't know. But Jesus is reaching out to you. You're trying to get to him. Why don't you just let him get to you? Just let him come to you. Let him come to you. What's he saying to you? He's holding you. He's holding you in his arms. You're just a little baby. He's holding you in his arms. So what are you feeling? It's safe. And secure. You're protected. Enjoy that feeling. Thank you, Lord. Now just listen for him to speak to you. Thank you, Holy Ghost. It's going to be okay. That's what he's saying to you. 
It's fine. He's going to sing to you. He's going to sing to you a lullaby. Isn't it interesting? He's interacting you like you're a child. Thank you, Lord. Just let him minister to you. Let him minister. Here it is. Oh, Holy Ghost, just come. More and more and more and more in Jesus' name. There we go. Isn't it interesting? Very powerful. How many could feel the presence of God starting to come and engage? And so whenever we have a traumatic experience, it's, it's retained within our soul. And uh, experiences which we have, we, we remember the experience. We have the memory. We have the feelings. We remember the feelings. Notice she had feelings of fear. We remember uh, how we reacted. And uh, we also remember you know, what kind of response we made. So all of those things are recorded in the memory. And the more powerful the memory is, the more powerful the event is, the greater the impression it makes on the person's life. So when it's a major trauma, it makes a deep impression and often the soul becomes shattered and parts of the memory go all over and so the person, I don't remember a thing. And the Holy Ghost just brings it all back together and suddenly they're there, they're in the event and the feelings of fear, everything related to the event starts to come back again. And at that point, God overrides. Now, he never takes away our memories. What he does do is helps us to see a different perspective. So when you're in a shocking event, you see it from a perspective. You just see what you see. Like Elijah's servant came out and he saw all of the armies of the Syrians surrounding them. And he says, oh, we're overwhelmed, we're overwhelmed, we're overwhelmed. What are we going to do? We're going to be killed. And, the Lord's, and, and, and Elijah said, prayed and said, Lord, open his eyes so he can see that there's more for us than be against us. Now, the, the, the Syrian army wasn't taken away, but God opened his eyes and he saw the angels and chariots of fire. And so now his perception of it is changed. Now, yes, the armies are still there, but now... Fear and concern about what's going to happen is all taken away because he's seen from the spiritual realm God's amazing provision and it's going to be all okay. And so he came to a place of, of rest. Notice the, the circumstances hadn't changed, the perspective changed. The vision he saw shifted how he interacted with the problem. And that's how God does a lot of healing work. He will give us, he'll return us back to the uh, picture that we had no matter how frightening it was. And we'll begin to feel the feelings and emotions of it. And then he comes into it. The Lord comes into it. And it, it, we re-see it differently. We see it with Jesus there. And usually he speaks something. And what he speaks is a rhema. It's a living word. And this brings healing and restoration and shifts us. And often, of course, their emotions come. Sometimes there are demonic spirits attached around it. So you notice I started to speak to some of the spirits at one point. But then it was God engaging her. And that's how it is. And you notice it was not a lot of praying or heavy work. It was actually the work of the Holy Spirit and just facilitating it. And she's quite prophetic, quite visual. So she easily was able to enter into the picture of it. And already we know God was on it because she was feeling stirred in her heart at that time anyway. So when you go through a course, often God can stir things that you'd forgotten about because it's your time to deal with it. And then... You bring it to him and allow him to come in. Now, what people generally or often do is they remain stuck and they get stuck in the trauma, stuck in the grief, stuck in the pain of the situation and stuck in their reactions, often tormented by spirits. And then they just get stuck there. And then all through their life, anything that reminds them of that immediately triggers off reactions until we allow the Lord to help us. Now, to, to allow the Lord to help us, We've got to be willing to go into the trauma again. This time not alone, but this time with the Lord. So I didn't try and tell what was going to happen or how it would happen. We just invited the Holy Spirit to come and let him do the work. And she just talked to me about what he was doing. So you could all almost feel and see what God was doing. And you notice that when the way Jesus interacted with her, he interacted with her as though she was a little baby still because her emotions were frozen at the baby stage. That's where the trauma is. So when Jesus was dealing with her, he was dealing with her at the point she had the trauma, at the age she had the trauma. And that's why it looks like it's 
someone just handling a baby and holding the baby and, and the baby's going to be okay and the reassurance. Why? Because that's where the trauma was. That's where the memory was retained. And so now there'll be a freedom come and a, and a, and a shift inside it. Okay, so how, oh, she's out to it still. How are we doing? Are you with us again or not? You're great. <laughs> we'll settle for great. <laughs> we'll settle for great. So um, since we're running short on time now, we have a whole section in the notes which helps understand a little bit about that area. The key point, oh, there we go. You're back again with us. Whoa, Daisy. Hello, hello. Okay, so how you, anyway, just tell us, was there any further experiences with the Lord? He danced with you in his arms. How wonderful. What are you feeling inside now about that whole event? Incredibly light. That's one of the things that people say when they've been set free, as I feel much lighter. The burden has gone. The demons have gone. Isn't this one? We'll give a lot of clam. Just thank him, shall we? So when you, when you look into the notes, you'll see in the notes, we just lay out some teaching around it. But you can read all the notes and still not get it. It's better that you have an experience of seeing God just doing something for someone, and then you can see it happening. And there was no big stress. You notice in all of it, we depend on the Holy Spirit. Tell someone we depend on the Holy Spirit. We depend on the Holy Spirit. Okay. And just always keep remembering, Holy Spirit, I depend on you. Keep, keep your account short with him. Now, of course, the thing is, when you come to minister to someone, the temptation is to depend on yourself. <laughs> I've got to do something. No, depend on the Holy Spirit. So what we're going to do now as we finish up, it'd be great to get you just to pray and to minister to one another. And uh, I suggest you get in pairs. And just, uh, why don't you share something you'd like the person to pray into or to pray for you for. It can be any area, anything you'd like. And uh, whatever you may feel that God has uh, just opened up something you'd like prayer for, why don't you just invite the person to just pray for you in that area. And if someone asks you to pray in that area, just do what you can. And depend on the Holy Spirit. Right, okay. Depend on the Holy Spirit and just be responsive to things he puts into your mind to do. So here's what we get into pairs. And uh, we just pray in tongues together. And each of you share one area you'd like the other person to pray for. And then you minister to them whatever you feel comfortable at the level you're able to do. Maybe you just bring some encouragement. Maybe you feel like you can pray for the Holy Spirit touch. Maybe you feel there's something that needs to be broken. Just have a go. We're going to practice, okay? If we don't do something, we'll never know what we can do, will we? So we've got to step out somewhere. And remember, in all of it, we must depend on the Holy Spirit. Exactly. So why don't you get up and depend on the Holy Spirit? A great chance to do that.